Turn your Bibles for me, please, to John 15. We've been looking at John, um, and we've taken part of John that we've looked at before. Uh, we're going to be looking today at John 15, verses 1 to 15. So if you could just turn your Bibles down, I'll just give you an edit before I read this one. John 15, verses 1 to 15. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch of mine that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my father is glorified that you may, might bear much fruit. And so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lays down, someone lays down his life for his friends. You are my friends. If you do what I command you, no longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends for all that I've heard from my father. I have made known to you. Let's just pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for the truth in your word, Jesus. Lord God, we thank you that your word is ultimate truth, Jesus, and that you speak to us through it each and every time we pick it up, Father. Lord God, prepare our hearts, prepare our minds to be changed. And Lord God, we thank you that it's all about you. We always declare that Jesus. It's always about you. Thank you, God. Okay, I've got a massive thing to cover there. An absolute whopper of a verse. So I've tried my best to condense it into about 30 to 40 minutes um, and try and pick up as much out as I can. Now, before we go, it's really important that we just do a quick recap of the background of John. The book of John was written by the disciple John who was one of Jesus' disciples. He was the youngest of the disciples, and he's the one who is referred to as the one who Jesus loves. He was part of Jesus' close-knit group of friends. The primary audience was the Greeks, and his heart behind writing the book is to get his audience to know God and also to see the love that God has for us, for each and every person. And we see that theme throughout this book. Now, it's generally believed that John 15 was written on the eve of the Last Supper, which is the night that Jesus was handed over to be betrayed. This is important. We can't overlook this because it helps us to understand the context of what he's saying, the purpose of what he's talking about here. Jesus is attempting to address a couple of things. He knew that the disciples would be tempted to leave after his death. He also knew that they would be tempted to grow apart. So in bringing this extract, 
Jesus here is attempting to, de- to teach the disciples what's about to happen and prepare them for the future. I think this is this. It's a bit of a dodgy connection, I think, so I'll just use a mic if that's all right. Perfect, yeah. Jesus is attempting to prepare them for the future. And we see within this message, I can't pace. I love to pace really far. I love to pace. I can't stand still. We see within the message. Sorry, blue one, thank you. I have to move, I can't stand still. We see within this message that Jesus breaks it down into three clear parts. Verse 1, knowing God. Verses 2 to 8, about fruit. And verses 9 to 15, about love. So we're going to pick apart each of those sections this morning. We're just going to go back to verse 1, the first part, about knowing God. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Here, we see Jesus comparing himself to a vine. Why? Why is he comparing himself to a vine? That's the first thing I looked at when I, when I read this. Why a vine? Of all the things he called, why a vine? There's more to this than Jesus just simply saying, I'm a bush. What he's saying here is, he's making a bold statement, a declaration to his disciples and to us afterwards. Here, he's declaring that he's God. How? By calling himself a vine. Jesus is actually subtly fulfilling prophecy. For those who don't know what prophecy is, prophecy is a word given to people by God that becomes true. And the people look back and they give glory to God for it. And there were many prophecies about the Messiah, who Jesus was. But here, Jesus is fulfilling a prophecy in Isaiah 49, where it talks about salvation reaching to the ends of the earth. Before Jesus came, the Jews were God's chosen people. But here Jesus is making a declaration, I am the one that was foretold. It's me who's going to bring salvation to the ends of the earth. A vine reaches out, it stretches, it spreads, it has to be trained. So Jesus here is subtly and brilliantly, as you see when you read Jesus' teachings, fulfilling a prophecy. He's not only just fulfilling that prophecy, By calling himself a vine, he's also fulfilling another prophecy in Isaiah 53. We're told that the Messiah would be of no particular form. He wouldn't be an amazing stunner. He wouldn't come out and be a Calvin Klein model. He would be a man who doesn't look of particular appearance. When me and Helen got married on our honeymoon, we went to a vineyard and we had a look around at taste wine, see how wine was made. And when you look at a vine, a vine isn't of particular appearance. It's brown or grey, it's twisted, it's gnarled. Jesus here is doing something incredibly humble by calling himself a vine. If you could have called yourself any bush, anything, what would you pick? I wouldn't have picked a vine, I would have gone for a buddleia or a rose. That's the, <laughs> that's the extent of my knowledge. But, uh, <laughs> but Jesus here is showing again just how humble he is. He's the Messiah, the King of the world, who's come to us and how he's comparing himself. The chances of fulfilling prophecy that Jesus is doing here, the chances of fulfilling just eight of the prophecies of the Messiah, eight things that were foretold, is about one in a billion, depending on which prophecies they are. And yet Jesus fulfilled over 300 
300 prophecies, and some he didn't even have control over where he was born. Can't dictate that. By calling himself the true vine, he's reminding us here that he is the truth. Not Buddha, where all gods lead to one. Not humanism. Not this moralism that's crept in. What I do influences what happens. God is truth. Amen? Amen. He is ensuring that his disciples, after his death, can have no doubts. And us too, as we read this. At the time, this was a sensational claim. It was this that Jesus was killed for, saying that he is God. But Jesus is making it clear here there can be no grey area at all. John 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Fantastic. Except through me. He can't be any clearer. Disciples, <coughs> I'm the vine of life. Don't forget that. It's me. It's us today. Don't forget, it's me. The vine brings life. Acts 17, verse 25 says, He himself gives to mankind life and breath and everything else. So there's a challenge there for us straight away, just as we picked apart verse 1. Are we spending time getting to know Jesus? Are we just skimming verses? Are we rolling our sleeves up and getting stuck in? Are we getting commentaries, books about it, to learn more and more? As I was preparing this, I was just sat there going, oh, that links, that links, that links. And it just reaffirms your faith. He's a good God. And as we see, as we move on to the next part, verses 2 to 8, Jesus starts to move the emphasis away from him and onto us and the disciples, an expectation upon us. So we're just going to go back to verses 2 to 8. I'm going to read it again, just so we can just go back. Every branch of mine that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does not bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you, unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he is that that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burnt. If you abide in me and my word abides in you, and you ask whatever you wish, it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. Verse 1 tells us about knowing God. Do we truly know God? And here we move on to this concept of fruit. And as we read verses 2 to 8, there's a stark reminder to his disciples and us that knowing about him isn't enough. Just to simply know who he is isn't enough. We read in 1 Corinthians 3 that even the demons, even the devil knows who he is. But that doesn't necessarily mean they truly know who he is. This is something we need to take note of. There's a large portion of people in society who are sleepwalking towards the enemy. We hear things like, I've been christened. I'm going to go to heaven. God is love, so I can do what I want. Doesn't matter. He won't mind. But here, Revelation, lots of other verses warn us about this lukewarm Christianity where we're dipping our toe in. 
Verse 2 makes it clear that if we're not in him, if we are not hewed to him, we are pruned. And the language used a bit further on for fire is this word that's katai, which translates as an eternity. If we're not in him, we are separated for eternity from him. Doesn't sit comfortably, does it, that? But it's a stark warning from Jesus because he loves us. You see, we prune because it's for the good of a bush or a vine. It's for the good of the whole tree. I had a, a raspberry bush in my garden that I bought and I put it in the first year and nothing really happened, which I would expect, to be honest. The second year, I noticed that a couple of the branches were really, they've got this mouldy residue on, didn't look good, still no fruit. So we chopped it off. We chopped the two branches off that were a bit infected or a bit gammy and shut them away. And the next year, we started to see fruit. We were pruning for the good of the bush. And this is what Jesus is talking about. This idea of pruning is a stark warning, but it contradicts this notion that we have this moralism that we see within society. We can do what we want, it doesn't matter. Verse 6 makes it clear that he prunes those who are not in him. And we just need to remember that. Sometimes we read things in the Bible that don't sit comfortably because it's not this happy clappy that we used to, but we can't shy away from what Jesus teaches. Here, Jesus is making it clear within verse 2 to 8 that under no uncertain terms, true faith requires us to remain in him and see evidence of this. What is this fruit he's talking about? If you turn to Galatians 5 for me. Verses 22 to 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, Against such things, there is no law. Jesus is making it clear again, and I keep saying this, but I need to get this message across. We need to know who he is, and then when we truly know who Jesus is as the Messiah, it makes us change. We see with Paul, Paul made it his duty, his life goal, to find Christians, throw them away, and kill them. That was his goal, until he met Jesus on the road. And we see a turnaround. This is the equivalent, I was trying to think of an equivalent, an equivalent of um, a murderer or somebody from a group that we don't like who wants to do us harm, turning to Jesus, praying for forgiveness and serving us. Now that seems quite heavy, to be honest. There's an expectation upon us, but when we see within the Bible, there's real reassurance there that this is a process. It doesn't just automatically mean as soon as you give up your life to God, suddenly everything is going to change and everything's going to be happy clappy. We see with Peter, Peter spent three years with Jesus, every day. And yet what happened later on from this extract, when he got angry, what did he do? Cut a guy's ear off. No self-control there. But yet we see Jesus forgives him. There's real reassurance there that this is a process not an instant change. And when we read this verse, it's really easy to become fearful of that. It's really easy to become fearful that we suddenly have to change and suddenly become this amazing person who's got suddenly amazing self-control. But that isn't the heart behind it. But what Jesus is saying here, and we see this, this thread throughout the Bible, that grace is costly. And that when we truly understand that, 
It's not that we have to change, but it's that we want to, because we realise who he is and what he's done for us. He came to die for us, knowing we had tempers, knowing we had addictions, knowing that we would sometimes lose our way, and yet he still came to die for us. He's a good father. Amen? <coughs> Amen. So, I've got a quick question to ask yourself. When we truly know God, Jesus is making it clear here that we should be seeing fruit. Are you seeing this fruit in your life that we've just gone through there? I'll just give you a moment just to think about it to yourself. Are you seeing fruit in your life? We've just gone through some of those examples. The best time to see it is when something goes wrong, to be honest, because you really see what's in your heart. And I can testify to that. Many, many stories of times I've failed the mark. I can't stand here and say that I've got this nailed at all. When somebody cuts you up, do you shout out, wind your window down and give them a load? When you're angry, do you slam things, punch things? When you're having an argument with your spouse, brother, sister, whoever, are you losing your temper? The heat of the moment time, that's when we see what's going on. Are we seeing these fruits in our day-to-day lives? Are we taking the odd bit of money from work? Are we gossiping, having no self-control? Are we moaning and complaining instead of rolling our sleeves and getting stuck in? Are we becoming easily distracted when we're reading our Bibles? Jesus here is making it clear within verses 2 to 8 that to simply say, oh, I've done it again, isn't good enough. We need to be striving. We need to be wanting to do it because we realise what Jesus has done for us. You see, striving to see these fruits within our life is 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 a state of maturity, really. Are we still making the same mistakes one year on, two years on, ten years on? Are we looking back and seeing things put in place to make sure we exercise these fruits? I used to work with a guy who wasn't a Christian. Um, and we used to go out at the end of uh, Christmas time, sorry, every year we used to go out. And we used to go for a meal and then go for a drink after. Um, and one year, he would come every year, um, and one year... Um, he, he decided not to come, so we went, we'd go for a meal and then we'd go for a, a drink after. Um, and one year he just said, I'm going to have to go, guys. And I just popped up and just said, is everything okay? Are you feeling all right? And he said, do you know, many, many times I've seen people get drunk after a party or whatever, and then they do silly things that, that can wreck the marriage. So what I'm going to do is I've decided I'm not going to go and get drunk anymore. And I thought, you know, that's coming from a non-Christian. Somebody who is really striving to, he doesn't even realise it, but he's striving to see some of those fruits, the self-control that we see. We should be putting these stock gaps in place for us. Timothy Keller, I don't know if you know him, uses a brilliant quote, and it says that knowledge is learning from um, your mistakes, but wisdom is learning from somebody else's. Spend time looking at characters in the Bible. What were the pitfalls? What dragged them down? What were the strengths? We've got a whole book here of all different personalities, of all different characters that we can learn from, that we can gain wisdom from. This isn't an easy task. 
We all know. Just yesterday, me and Ham went to my brother's wedding in London, and um, we missed a train. It's really frustrating. Um, and just there was just a knock-on of things, and we didn't get home until got between twelve and one-ish. And I could just hear in my head, God just saying, "Practice what you preach." <laughs> <laughs> Come on. <laughs> when we were on the train home, Ham was feeding um, Faye, and then. Um, a, a lady made a remark to her. I didn't hear it at the time. She told me after, um, of saying, "Why she brought Faye? Um, why she? Faye was crying. She was feeding her, and she was crying." And this woman said, "Why is she brought a baby onto a train at this time? She needs to think of others." And as soon as I'm told me, I could feel myself. <clears throat> Practice what you preach, Andy. Practice what you preach. So I've been challenged here as well. I've got to say, I have been challenged. It's not easy. It seemed impossible at times. But we must remember, he is the vine. Not us, we don't do it on our own. What does Philippians 4, verse 13 say? I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. It's him. But we need to be in him. John Piper tells us that we need to have a faith rooted in his word. Even when sometimes we don't like what it says. And then we need to be prepared to make sacrifices. And this is what it comes down to. If we want to see these fruits, if we want to mature as Christians, if we want to be people who God knows and people who truly know and love Jesus, it requires a sacrifice to see the fruits in our lives. There's a brilliant book. I've, just, I've read most of it called The Cost of Discipleship that I've been reading. And I just want to just take you to an extract here. He's talking about when we truly know Jesus, when we realise the costly grace he gave that he had to die. If we would follow Jesus, we, we must take certain definite steps. The first step, which follows the call, cuts the disciple off from his previous existence. The call to follow at once produces a new situation. To stay in the old situation makes discipleship impossible. Levi must leave the receipt of custom and Peter his nets in order to follow Jesus. One would have thought that nothing too drastic was necessary at such an early stage. Could not Jesus have initiated the publican into some new religious experience and leave them as they, wait, as they were before? He could have done so had he not been the incarnate son of God. But since he is the Christ, he must make it clear from the start that his word is not an abstract doctrine, but the recreation of the whole Life of man. Amen. It's not that we have to, it's that we want to. We want to see this fruit. And as we move on to the last section, verses 9 to 15, we've got this, we need to know God, we need to see fruit. And then the last part is love. And we could have ended there at this, the fruit section, verses 2 to 9, but then we wouldn't see the heart behind John's writings. As we said at the start, John wants the Greeks and us to see Jesus' heart and love for us. So that's why he doesn't end it there. Jesus clearly loves his disciples. And although he has given us a warning, as always, Jesus reminds us of his grace for us. I'm just going to go back and read it. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Amen. Good God. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just 
as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lays down his life for his friends. You are my friends. If you do what I command you, no longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you, for fr- called you friends for all that time I have heard from my father. I have made known to you. After reminding his disciples that they need to remember who he is, and believe in him and see fruit in their lives, Jesus reminds them and us of his love for us. And what a perfect portrait of what he's just about to go and do to lay down his life. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. What does this love look like? Jesus willingly, knowingly died for us, his people, for the disciples. Even Judas, who was there. He chose to show self-control as he was beaten. Peace as he hung on the cross. Kindness with the thieves who were mocking him. This is what love looks like. And this is what we should be striving towards. True love isn't the wishy-washy, hippie love touted that we say. Sometimes it's hard and it cuts deep. And this is where the world has got it wrong. Everyone do what you want. Hey, God is love. doesn't matter. Everyone do what you want, as long as you're happy. But true love requires discipline. Hebrews 12, 6 tells us this. He disciplines those who he loves. God knows that we're going to find this tough to see these through. God knows that we're not going to find it easy. God knew, Jesus knew that Peter would cut that man's ear off despite spending three years with him. He must have been going, Peter, what are you doing? Have you listened to anything I've said? But he still died for him. He loved him and he loves us. But there is a reminder there to keep his commandments. And we can't shy away from that. We can't spin this any other way. Everyone do what you want. Just be happy. Jesus is love. No, but there's a a, a part there that tells us, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. We cannot shy away from that. We must stay true to what the Bible says. We can't pick bits that we want. We can't cherry pick bits that we need. We can't have self-control and then not show love to others. We need to have it all. We need to strive for it all. Because this brings true joy. And you know, joy is knowing how good he is for us. True joy is knowing what Jesus has done. It's not a verb, it's a state. It's knowing him, walking with him, and knowing that despite everything, our soul is secure in him. Reassuring when times are hard. Joy when times are easy. When we are struggling with life, it's knowing that ultimately we are in him, a true vine who brings life. The Cost of Discipleship is a book here. I'm not on commission, by the way. This book here talks about the cost of discipleship, and it it challenges the notion, and it, it gets you to think about Jesus died for us, knowing we see in the Garden of Gethsemane he agonised. We see that although it was hard, he knew he would be whipped, he knew he would be beaten, he knew he'd be hung on a cross. He still went through it for us. He laid down his life for us. 
And we ought to be prepared to lay down our lives for one another and our life in the pursuit of the Father. Sometimes, love that is expected is easy. So it's nice to be it's nice to be kind to your friends, people that you know. It's easy to show patience with the people you like, but actually, it's those people who annoy us. It's those people who you're in a relationship with and you've had a really, really bad day. You come home and you snap. What about the people on the streets? Are we showing love to them? The people who are struggling with addiction? Are we loving them? Are we showing patience with people who have a go in church? And you know, they might not just get it right, but let's get alongside them and show them patience and love. And in verse 14 and 15, we have the pinnacle. And it's pretty much the gospel message. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants. For the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends for all that I have heard from my father. I have made known to you. Jesus calls his disciples and people um, sheep. He calls them um, children. But here calls us friends. And what an honour that is to have. What an honour to be called a friend of the one who made the universe. What an honour to be called a friend of the person who would die for us, die for our enemies, who would die for each and every one of us who hung in there on a cross. That is true patience. That is true kindness. That is true self-control. We're friends if we know who he is and we truly believe it, if we strive to see the fruit in our lives and we stay true to what he says, he calls us friends. What an honour. What an honour. He's a good father, amen? He is a good father. I'm going to finish there. There's loads I could have said. When I was preparing it, I could have gone for days and days and days, but I'm going to finish there. Um, but if there's anything you want to come and talk to me about, come and chat to me. I love it when people come and chat to me. If there's anything you want to come and ask me, just come and ask me. Um, what I will do is I'm just going to leave this in a quick prayer. So if you'd like to stand with me, really appreciate it if you're able to. Really appreciate that. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you don't call the people who are perfect. You call Peter, who had a temper. Lord God, we thank you that you called Paul, who was a murderer. And Lord God, that just shows the heart that John here is trying to show for us. That you call people who are seen as unworthy because we are worthy in your eyes. And we thank you, Jesus. Lord God, let us know who you are. Let us be disciplined enough to spend time in your word. Let us pray in the Holy Spirit. Let us read your word, Jesus, so that we have a true realisation of who you are, of what you've done for us, Lord God, of the prophecies that you've fulfilled. Heavenly Father, help us to see fruit in our lives, Jesus. We remain in you, Jesus. That we're patient with the people who are near us. That we show love to people who we disagree with, Lord God. But at the same time, we cannot forget that it tells us we have to stay true with your word. And that requires boldness. So let us be a people who are bold for you, Father God. A people who are prepared to stand up and say, I am in the vine because it's him who gives life. And finally, Lord God, we thank you for the love that you bestow upon us. 
Jesus, we thank you that we are so unworthy. And yet you call us friends. What an honour that is, Father God. What an honour to have that. You are a good father. You are a wonderful king. You are the one who calls us by name to follow you. And Lord God, we pray that we would put our necks down. We would put our own lives behind us and strive to follow your calling. We thank you, God. We love you. And we apologise for the times we've messed up. I thought you can count my hands every time for the last 24 hours I've messed up here. But you will call us friends. And we thank you, Jesus. What a king. Amen. As I said, if you want to come and chat to me, just come and chat to me. I'd love to speak to people. This isn't a, a marathon. Sorry, this isn't a sprint, sorry. It's a marathon. It takes time. It takes perseverance. And it takes time knowing who he is. But there's grace in that. And if you don't know God, come and talk to me. I'd love to share you. I am a sinner. A bad sinner. And yet I am made clean in God's eyes. So if you don't know God, please just come and talk to me. I'd love to share it with you. I'd love to. Hallelujah. Amen.